Do you get paid what you think you deserve? Today, we're going to get you that raise. It's all about how you present yourself at work. Prove you're a value to the company and ask for that raise. It's Seven Figures. I'm Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is presented by Family First Credit Union. Good people over there. Local financial products and services designed with you in mind to help you and your family save and spend smarter. We're increasing our financial IQ with the Seven Figures podcast. And I got to say, you guys are the best. Thank you for hanging out with us each week. We're all learning this together. Our ultimate goal is to achieve financial freedom. How do you get there? I saw an interesting quote on IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com saying so many people say that they want to make passive income to increase their wealth, but quite often we can achieve the wealth we desire just by improving our active income, our jobs. So... Let's get you that active income. We cash in with our expert, VP of Instruction, and Dale Carnegie Master Trainer, Melissa Campos, also known as Z. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Sandy. It's my pleasure. You have so much insight when it comes to this. I've had the benefit over 14 years to work with thousands of people. And to work with thousands of people under the Dale Carnegie Human Relations Principles and the tools, I mean, he was such a pioneer. So I get to benefit from the 100 years of experience plus see it all in action. I love what I do. And you learn through experience, right? And also providing experiences for others to learn how to be more confident and in charge and decide where they want to take their lives. So it is. It's so fun. You probably have a story. I think we all do. I'll share mine. Um, The moment, that epiphany moment where we're like, wow, we need to get some confidence. I remember I was fairly new at the station in my 20s. I was working full time and I loved it. I mean, I dedicated so much time. I would work the morning show at 4 a.m. and not leave the station till 6. I was Mm -hmm. pouring my heart into it. And then there was one day, and God, I will never forget this day where I heard rumblings of them considering taking me off of the morning show and replacing me with somebody who used to work at the station. And I was just crushed. I was devastated. I was angry. I remember telling my uh, boyfriend at the time, who now is my husband, Mike Danger, you know, how could they do this to me? Don't they see how valuable I am? Don't they see everything that I do? And he was like, well, you obviously are not doing a good job promoting yourself and everything that you do. So I was forced to do just that, write down on paper everything that I did, why they needed me. And that was the most uncomfortable, challenging task for me. So difficult. It's such a balance because, yes, we want to be humble Mm -hmm. as well as we have to, sometimes we don't even realize what value we bring, right? And If we don't take the time to recognize the value, how do we expect others to recognize it themselves? And then you go to the humble bragging, which is even worse because you're trying to maintain humility, but really you're bragging behind it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was um, presenting at a women's executive forum for the Danielle Downey golf tournament. And one of the exercises that I had women do is, write down the three strengths that you want to hang your hat on, right? Like, you know, you have them, right? Mm -hmm. And doing that, I was reading a Time magazine. There's a new article 
in the most recent one that talks about happiness, right? You know, we talk about happiness a lot, but really what it comes down to is one of the things that they said is solidifying what you're good at, what strengths you bring. A lot of times we're thinking, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I had that versus solidifying the foundation. And if we can have those strengths, really be able to own them and share them and share the value that they bring, it allows us to build that confidence and be more effective. And what I found in that exercise, the first question that I asked was, what was our reaction to this? They said it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was, you know, being almost egotistical by shouting those strengths. But if we can own those, then we can share them with others. How do you brag the right way? How do you make sure, like, let's say it comes time for uh, a raise, you're asking for a raise. Yeah. How do you sit across from the boss, which is intimidating in and of itself, and boast about your qualities? So the first key thing, before even boasting about the qualities, we have to boast about the evidence and the value that we brought using those qualities. Ah. So being able to have that black and white information in terms of the value, whether it's sales that we brought in, whether it's productivity that we've increased, whether it's bringing different departments together in order to complete a project on time or before time. So having that concrete so that there isn't the gray. So if people can see on paper, wow, this is what they're doing. And then you can be able to say, yeah, and I've been able to do that because I'm really strong at being, building relationships with people and we were able to get it done faster and leverage our relationships to influence, to get the project done sooner. Whatever it is, we can be able to give the evidence, then what the strength is that we bring and the benefit that we were able to bring to whether it be the organization or team. So how can we make it more black and white and hang our hats on those achievements through evidence? Is it more challenging for women? I feel like I get, um, I put too much emotion. I feel mm-hmm. disrespected that you already didn't recognize it. I get to lay it out for you. You don't see what I'm doing. Is right. it a female trait? I believe so, because I think we just do things. It, it, we do the silent work, too, mm-hmm. the things that just need to get done, and just because we're working a million miles a minute, especially if we're moms as well as work. There's just so much to coordinate. And we sometimes we expect people to see it. Yes. But it, the most unfair thing we can do is put our own expectations on others. Uh-huh. So we might say, oh, well, I would have recognized that. Uh-huh. But maybe other people are in their own zone trying to get things done and trying to do their job and maybe they just aren't recognizing it so we just have to promote what's going on what either what our team is doing what certain uh what we're doing in order to help the team move along if we're in a management role or just simply saying hey here's something i thought you would like to uh to hear about you know and typically leadership appreciates that because they don't have the time to pause and say, oh, that's a piece of good news. Oh, I really appreciate that. A lot of times they hear all the bad. Don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, nope. because a lot of times it has nothing to do with us. And we take a 
Dale Carnegie, he said, remember when dealing with humans, we're dealing with creatures of emotion, not creatures of logic, right? Mm -hmm. So how can we get the emotion out, not take it personally, and still focus on the evidence, focus on what we bring so that people know our contributions and because we're proud of them. All right. So we have the factual evidence on the table, how our strengths have directly helped the company. And then we ask for a raise. And of course, the go-to company line is, that's just not in the budget. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you can say after your boss tells you that? I would ask a question. I would say, what else do I need to show in order to be able to Mm -hmm. um, be considered for that? And if it's legitimately not in the budget based on that response, I always like to throw it back, you know, is then we have to make decisions. Right. So are we happy enough there? Are we doing so much work? And and then the question is, is it that I really want the raise? Right. Because people aren't truly motivated by money. Yes, they need to be paid Mm -hmm. in order to make them feel valued. They need to be paid their worth, Mm -hmm. what they feel their worth, like in their contribution. Is it that they want the raise or is it that they simply just don't feel valued? Ah, yeah. Or appreciated is the other question that we have to ask ourselves. Can you ever say no? If you're putting in all this time because you do want to prove your value, mm-hmm. you do want to help the company succeed because that is the ultimate goal that we should all try to achieve. Can you mm-hmm. ever say no or when is the right time? So when you saying no, I mean, there's so many different dimensions. So for instance, maybe... I will say no. I've always got a vision. What are things that I'm focused on, right? And Mm -hmm. if there's some things that are not in that vision or not in that focus, I have said no to them. To boss? (laughs) I'm too scared to do that. (laughs) Well, what I've said is I can do that. What can I either take off my plate or have more time with because it's just not realistic? So how can you help a boss understand what's on our plate? Because sometimes they don't even know. Right. I mean, honestly, they don't. So if you could say, hey, help me with this. So I understand that this is important. If this is important, here's everything else that I've got. What can I shift in terms of timelines? And typically they'll, they'll be able to do that for us. You know, and I've had that happen where, I've had something jump to the front. It's like, okay, well, I'm working on this project. Here's what else is going to suffer. Can someone take this on? Or can I be able to complete this in a later time? Is that a sign of weakness, though? That's admitting to I can't do everything that you're asking of me. And now I'm not as valuable. So what I would say is one of the most difficult things for a leader to do is ask for help. Right. But if we can recognize that we can't do it all, who else can we leverage on our team to do it? Like, is there an opportunity for that person, for someone below us to do something? Or maybe there's an intern that there would be a great growth opportunity for them if they took something. So how can we create opportunities for other people so we can still get things done? Because that's really an art. So either asking for help, or coming up with, hey, listen, I've got all of this. What if I delegated this to so-and-so and I delegated this to so-and-so because it would be a great opportunity for them? Are you good with that? 
are you good with that plan? So instead of coming to the manager with all these problems, we're coming up with, hey, this is, this is everything on my plate, as well as here's what I'm going to shift. Here's who I'm going to shift it to, and here's why. And they probably, it will build their confidence in us as a leader because we're getting work done through people versus trying to hoard it and do it all ourselves uh. because then it goes into, oh, I do it the best way, right? So mm. we have to be able to let go and empower others too and be okay with that. How do you complain? Can you ever? Mm. So it, it's interesting you say that because Dale Carnegie, he wrote 30 human relation principles that are basically like guidelines for engagement. Okay. And the first principle is don't criticize, condemn, or complain, Ooh. believe it or not. So when we look at that, it's, we've got to think about who we're talking with. And the best way to persuade is get them thinking about the future, right? So if we're trying to complain, it's, wow, imagine if we're able to get this all done and do so with more solid process. Wouldn't that be cool? And yeah, okay. So here's the current state. Can we work on it together? Right. So you're always focusing on the future, because a lot of times if we're looking at opportunities for improvement, people can take it personally. Mm. Right. So mm. we want to keep them out of it. So complaining the right way is let's stay focused on the future and the solution or what could be and then go into the as is. Or another way to do it is recognize one key piece that we appreciate that's happening and then going into what could be an opportunity for improvement? Because if we just go straight for the opportunity for improvement, and I've learned this the hard way because I'm someone who is very much always striving to make things better. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that, I didn't realize that, you know, people really want to do a great job. Our managers, our coworkers, and sometimes we have to remember that they might take it personally. So if we can focus on what's good, and then look at the challenges, then they're more open to it. So those are two different strategies. Either go future-focused, solution-focused first, or we can recognize something that's good under the current system or something that they're doing really well that we appreciate first before we go into the opportunity for improvement. Do you try to solve the problem yourself first? Like you were saying, and it's true, managers, they have their plate full already. They don't mm-hmm. want to really or have time to be bothered with little menial problems, you know, on staff. Yeah. So say you're working on a project, a team project, and somebody's not carrying their weight and maybe actually hampering your success. Do you go straight to them first with the the mindset that you had? Let's point out your qualities and look to the future. Or do you go to the boss? If it's a colleague, like a fellow colleague, I would talk to the colleague because we have to be able to navigate the relationship, you know, and try and understand what's going on, why they aren't contributing Mm. and see if we can navigate it that way, you know, leverage our relationship. Because if we're always going to the boss first or, you know, not really trying to make it better, then we're not really leading. And one of the other things is if the colleague, if it is hampering us, then, yeah, it might need to be elevated if things aren't working for us, right? I would also, if we've got someone that we trust, 
in the work environment, not gossiping, but like one solid person that we trust to get insight on how to make it better. Mm -hmm. That's always beneficial. And if it's not hindering our work, how much control do we have over it? And then I always have to ask myself, is it worth it? So if it isn't hampering my work and they're not pulling their weight, the hope is, is that the manager is going to see it. And if not, then we've got bigger problems and I can't control them. I feel like sometimes we worry about everything that we can't control and that really diminishes what we can control. And then you don't want to appear to be that employee that always is complaining because that's going to devalue you when it comes time, right? When Mm -hmm. you're asking for something from the boss, a raise or or whatever it is, a promotion. Absolutely. Yeah, it just shows that we can't navigate the relationships and we're not really trying to influence. So how can Uh, we try to build the relationship so that we can gain cooperation and then therefore influence potentially that behavior, that change in that other team member? So we've got to put some effort in it first. And then if we put some effort in it and it's still not working, some good effort, then we can say, hey, here's what I've tried. Here's what I've done. What do you recommend? Okay. Because I've really put some effort towards this and maybe I'm not doing it the right way. Maybe there's something else I need to do. So we're always looking for a solution, Mm -hmm. not pointing out the problem. I've worked with people that it's constant problem, 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 problem and never a solution. And it's so deflating. And it's in order to lead and really demonstrate your worth, you always got to be focused on what can I do to impact this situation? Okay. As opposed to venting. You got to be the positive thinker in the office and the one that's always smiling. Exactly right. Because people can feel it, right? And and if you think about it, our the repetition of our actions creates a reputation. So what kind of reputation do we want to create for ourselves? We can be a problem solver, but we can be a proactive problem solver, not to the point where we're, it's constant, where we can't see any positive. There's a lot of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Of course, the stress of the workday, and it just gets more and more stressful. The, the days of nine to five are no longer. Over. We are 24-7. Yeah. So yep. sometimes you deal with uh, extreme emotions like frustration or overstress or you just want to break down in tears. Is it okay nowadays to show emotion at work in front of your boss? In looking at showing emotion, it, then, it depends on what type of emotion. Okay. Right? Is it going to be constructive? I, it's important if we're, bur- if we're getting close to a burnout. Mm-hmm. It's important to let them know I'm feeling this. But like, for instance, it isn't a nine to five anymore. And we also have to recognize, is it me that's putting this pressure on myself or is it the organization? Because a lot of times it's us because we feel like we can control, we want to do everything. And it's not until we can start to leverage our team that some of it comes off. And then also you have to, where are you in terms of this organization? Are you just starting off? Because if you're just starting off, you're going to be trying to build your credibility, build trust. You will be working more. Yeah. You know, and working harder more. For instance, right now, just in July, I have been, I've taken five trips, you know, four for work. And I, right now, I'm in my, this is the 14th day in a row that I've been working, but I knew that that was going to happen. And they've been long days. 
So my August is a little bit calmer. Is Are there ebbs and flows? Are we okay with it? We've got to ask ourselves, is the things that we're doing getting us closer to our vision and what we want? And the one thing that we all want is to earn enough to achieve our financial goals at our current job. So does that mean be available 24-7? Does it look bad if we disconnect, put our phones away, and ignore all incoming messages? I think it's so dependent on your situation. Okay. So, I, I mean, I'm sending emails. I'm guilty of it. And yeah. typically, if Me I'm too. sending yeah. something to the team, like if I'm sending a text, it's either something that's urgent or I'm just sending them something that I appreciated about what they did today. So I keep it light. You know, or it's something that really needs action. Or if it's an email, it's, hey, you can focus on this tomorrow. I was just thinking about it. Right. You know, so I think it takes more self-awareness as a manager to know what your people's guidelines are, as well as I think people need to recognize if they want flexibility, you know, because that's a big thing. People want flexibility in their role. Mm -hmm. So if you want it, if you want flexibility, and yes, it's not nine to five, then you may need to go and do a networking event after five, or you may need to, you know, work until 10 sometimes, right? Like, so it's such a balance, but like, I will go to the gym during lunch. I manage it to the point where I don't feel like I'm burned out. Okay. Now, as a boss, if there's that one employee that's working all the time and then the one employee that's uh, going out to the gym at lunch, be honest. Do you look at one more favorable than the other or the one that's responding to your emails immediately as opposed to another? I would say what's their consistent effort. Ah. Someone can be in the office for eight hours and be socializing more, maybe staying in for lunch, but and socializing fine. You know, you want to have that team connection. But the question is, you can tell whether someone is getting things done, right? As well as going above and beyond. And going above and beyond doesn't necessarily mean responding to an email at the drop of a hat. Don't feel guilty then if you need to leave work in the middle of the day to run the kids to the doctors or whatever it may be. No, absolutely. So if you've got that flexibility, you know, then... There might be some times, you know, where it's going to be earlier in the morning or later on. There might be more times than that. I mean, it depends on where you want to go in life. You want to just be at a mid-level or, you know, lower role, and that's fine. You know, that allows you to have, be able to let go of work more so. Mm-hmm. The higher up you get, the more difficult it is to manage. It's not easy. And that's the, that's the hard part is that. There is no silver bullet. It's different for everyone based on their work situation. So the first key thing that I tell people, you got to decide what do you want, right? What do you want in your career? What do you want personally? What do you want, you know, in terms of being involved in the community? What do you want for yourself? And if you can get clear in those four quadrants, then you can figure out what do you want professionally, right? And what, what's going to allow that to happen? So it's not easy. You've got to do some soul searching. And a lot of times we just feel burdened without, you know, in terms of the amount of workload, but we never take a step back. Like in our program, first thing you have to do is create a vision for yourself. Mm. If you don't have that, you got nowhere that you're going and you're just oscillating. So how do you take that, that movement forward? You got to know where you want to go.
Dale Carnegie rule of expecting ingratitude. Can you explain yeah. that? Oh, yeah. So that's a stress and worry principle. And what's cool is, you know, when he wrote How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, he was trying to find other books to be able to reference in this book. And he couldn't find any books. He found lots of articles. And now we think about it, how many books are there on stress and worry? So with that one in particular, the expecting and gratitude, I can give you an example. Mm -hmm. I had a participant who was going through the process and what she was expecting, you know, in terms of her team going to what we've talked about today, the way that she grew up was you always had a strong work ethic and you always go above and beyond for other people. Mm -hmm. And so with that, she would always expect her coworkers to, you know, really like appreciate the fact that she was going above and beyond. And by having that expectation, because she's going the extra mile and having that expectation to want to be appreciated for it, she was expecting gratitude for her actions. And just as I said earlier, if we push our own expectations and the way that we've grown up and our own values on other people, we're surely going to get disappointed. Mm. We're going to expect that disappointment. So by just doing what we do because we think it's the right thing to do and expecting ingratitude, we're not set up for disappointment. We know that we did the right thing and we know that we can feel proud about what we did. Yet we're not waiting for, oh, hey, you know, thanks so very much for doing that for me. I so appreciate it. We're not waiting for that or we're not waiting for it like after a session that I'm doing. I'm not waiting for people to come up to me and tell me how great it is. I know that I did the best that I could. I knew I was prepared and I knew I rocked it. So it's expecting that ingratitude. That was some boasting right there. That was an example of boasting your strengths in a (laughs) humble way. Did we all pick up on that? (laughs) So when you kick ass at a project, you just go to your boss and say, I rocked it. (laughs) Melissa, leading by example. We always end each podcast with uh, what we say is the return on investment because everybody dedicates Mm -hmm. their time every week to this podcast. And we, we are very appreciative of that, but we want to give them something to chew on, something to walk away with. The biggest takeaway from today would be what? I would say, figure out your value and you will be confident in your worth. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure, Sandy. Now, Z, your kids are are still little, but it's going to happen for all of us parents. We dread that day when our kids get their license. It's so bittersweet, right? You're so excited because now you don't have to play taxi driver as much. But, you know, you're nervous for the obvious reasons. And then the pang of terror when you really think about it how it's going to impact you financially because your rates are going up. What do you do? Do you put your new driver on your policy or do you get them their own insurance policy? We'll tackle that next week on Seven Figures. Lay out all the facts for you. Seven Figures presented by Family First Credit Union. Thank you so much for subscribing on iTunes and Google Play and checking us out every week on RochesterBuzz.com. Talk to you next week.